Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Hallelujah. Father, we do give you glory and honor and praise tonight. We're so grateful tonight to know that we belong to you. We are so grateful to be able to call you our Father. We are so grateful to be called your children. And Father, we honor you. We acknowledge all that you are, all that you have been, all that you have done, all that you are doing all that the greatness of your plan contains. And thank you so much for including us in that plan. Father, it is our desire that especially in these meetings, we learn how to live more accurately in this hour to fulfill your plan. Father, we're here for your plan for your glory, for your honor. Father, thank you for the great price you paid for us in sending your son. Thank you. Thank you a million thanks. Jesus, thank you for the price you paid in obeying the Father. Such a price you paid. Now we honor that price by walking in the light of all that you have made ours. Holy Spirit, thank you for the price you have paid. That when Jesus returned to heaven and asked a gift for his people, you are that great gift. We thank you that you made the sacrifice of leaving heaven to indwell us on the earth. Thank you for that. We acknowledge your presence in us. And we acknowledge unitedly as a body tonight, your presence among us to fulfill the Father's will and plan for this service, for these meetings. And we say we're here to respond to you, to cooperate with you. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the greatness of that plan, Father. Ah, (laughs) hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We worship you. We honor you. We magnify you, Father. We worship you. We glorify, we glorify. We glorify, we glorify, we glorify.
the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and said, uh, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. At first, he didn't answer her because he didn't recognize those words in her mouth. He was son of David, but not to her. She's a Syrophoenician. Those are covenant words, and they didn't belong in her mouth. And he knew she's borrowing something she heard someone say. And so he didn't answer her. But when she finally came to him and she fell, it says she, she, well, she went to the disciples and the disciples said, she's bothering us. Tell her to leave us alone. Well, Jesus isn't trying to get rid of people. <laughs> they were trying, but she, he wasn't trying. And then when she heard what the disciples said, tell her to leave us alone. It says, then she fell at his feet and worshiped him and said, help me. The Amplified said, she said, help me. Now see, if she would have come with that pro approach first, she would have gotten a, a first response. And then there was this exchange that went back and forth. And that's not my sermon that I'm pointing out right now. But it said she fell at his feet and worshipped him and said, help me. She forgot the titles that really were just, didn't really mean what they should have meant to her. And uh, when she just said out of her heart, help me. While, while she's worshiping at Jesus' feet, her daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. And then when there's this exchange that goes on back and forth between Jesus, and at the end of the exchange, Jesus said, a woman, great is your faith. Why? Because she didn't leave when it became easy to leave. She took it. She took what he said to her. Called her a dog, she took it. She took it. Amen. Why? Because the Syrophoenicians were known for their licentious living. And uh, she took it. And he said, woman, great is your faith. Because why? You took, I was bringing you to a place where I could bless you. And you went with me on that ride. You, she took it. When he was, she, she, go, she came to him with a mental, religious approach. And he's got to get her in her heart because that's where faith is. And he worked her. Didn't look like it. Religious people would look at it and say, the preacher's mean. But she went with him. And arrived at the point where at first he wouldn't even talk to her. And at the end of the conversation, now I got you at great faith. See, in one conversation, from no response from him to great faith. It doesn't take long to decide you're going to do. It doesn't take long to decide you're going to be right. It doesn't take long to get you out of doubt into faith. It doesn't take long. Just go on the ride, right? And it said that he said to her, woman, great is thy faith. And it says, and her daughter was healed that self-same hour. Yeah. Notice that self-same hour within 60 minutes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. We don't know how 
quick within that 60 minutes. It could have been at 40 minutes. It could have been at 19 minutes. But within the hour, her daughter in a different location is healed. Why? Because she's doing one thing, worshiping him, worshiping him. So I said that to say this tonight, while you're here worshiping him, expect him to be doing something somewhere else for you, setting things right. Amen. The daughter did not have to be where Jesus was as long as the mother was worshiping. As long as we worship God, (laughs) amen, things can happen in different locations. Things can happen in different locations. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's not limit God the way we're limited. Our bodies are limited to a location, not his. Amen. What we can accomplish in the natural is limited to where we're at, but not what he can accomplish. Amen. So release your faith for no matter what may need to happen back at home for you or at some other part, maybe for a relative, some other part of the world, while we're here worshiping, expect that he's there working. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you tonight. And we look to you to help us. Help us with situations that need your power. Situations that need your ability. Situations that need your wisdom. Even things that are on our hearts, Father. On that woman's, that mother's heart was her daughter that was vexed with the devil. The things that are on the people's heart tonight, we, we trust you to help us. Say that. Say, Father, I worship you. Jesus, I worship you. Help me. Help my situations that only you can help. And I thank you for it. That you're working on it right now. Right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. So now you're released from any thought that would distract you. He's helping you right now. So that you can take in and not be robbed from and not be distracted or hindered. You can take in all that he's offering us tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to, during my sessions, you, you don't want to miss it. Uh, Pastor Noel Ramos will be here in the morning sessions. But during my services, we're going to be ministering along the lines of worship. Amen. Because God's been uh, bringing us into some light on some things and having us to articulate and remind ourselves Amen. of the simplicity <laughs> of... Uh, what brings God's power into manifestation? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, uh, 
I want to go back to something that God said to me around 2012. God said to me, um, I want you to have Brother Norval Hayes in your church. Now, over the years, we've had Brother Norval at different times, and he has played a very precious role in the life of my husband, in my life. And I don't have time to tell you the times that God used him to give us answers that were straight from heaven. I mean, personally, in the back room, he spoke at very critical times in our lives. And he did not even know how far reaching his help was for us. But we'd had him at different times in the church and God spoke in 2012 and said, I want you to have Brother Norval Hayes. And I didn't have the sense though to contact him. So I didn't contact him, but it wasn't just a few months after Ed went home to be with the Lord, he contacted me. And he said, Nancy, he said, uh, I'm coming back from Hawaii and I stop in California on the way and he said, I'm available if you want me at your church. And I immediately remembered what God said. Yeah. I, we hadn't seen Brother Norville in several years. And so I said, absolutely, Brother Norville, always. So he came, and he came for four years in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost helped us yeah. to know what to do yeah. toward a man of God. Yeah that was at the end of his ministry on the earth, at the closing days of his ministry. And I so appreciate that God spoke to me to have him because I knew exactly what to do and I knew what the proper response was. And I remember something that uh, one of our congregation members that they, had, they were in the service the first year he came in 2014 in that series of meetings. <clears throat> and they walked out to do something in their Ministry of Helps post. And they came back into the sanctuary and they said they saw the, the cloud of glory mm-hmm. in the auditorium. Amen. And when they saw that, God spoke and said, I'm, I am blessing this congregation for honoring the man of God. Amen. Now, pay attention. I'm blessing this congregation for honoring the man of God. Meaning, that shouldn't stand out as unusual, but it does. And um, when he went home to be with the Lord just several months ago, I don't recall what month he went home to be with the Lord, but the Holy Ghost kept having me to feed on his stuff to focus on it. Uh And I said to my kids, I said, it seems to me that God is wanting us to steward some things that the man of God imparted into the earth. Because every man of God that God raises up, I'm saying that God, that God raises up, not that someone positions themselves to the forefront. I'm saying when God raises someone up, he gives them a message. And it's our job to pay attention to the message. And when that man leaves, the message stays. And someone has to pick that up and steward that, just like we did with Dad Hagen. 
We still consider ourselves stewards and many others do as well. Uh, of, of what God did and said through Dad Hagen. Not necessarily preaching his sermons, but preaching the message. And so um, I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost prompted us that way. And I was going to do meetings for Pastor Mitch and Jan Keyes there in Fireball, California. And God said to me, I want you to teach on worship. And I was so glad because I needed a place where I could work this out. You know, you've got to, you've got to have a place where you can give utterance to things that are in you. <clears throat> and so um, I was getting ready the first night. We were doing five days of meetings there. He had had they, it was their camp meeting, so they had other ministers doing previous days. But I was to do five days of services. And the first service that night... Uh, uh, we were going to leave the hotel room about 6.15 that night. And about 5.30, I'm, um, I'm up and getting ready and moving around in the hotel room. And when I did, I looked and by the bathroom door, there stood an angel. And he said, I've come to impart the utterance for the revelation given through Norval Hayes. Wow. Now notice the wording, I've come to impart the utterance. You might know the message, but you've got to have utterance for that message. And he said, I've come to impart the utterance for the revelation given through Norval Hayes. In other words, the angel was looking for someone who noticed that that message needed to be stewarded. And he was leading us. And there was, it was not a coincidence that he said to me in 2012, have Brother Norval in your church. Why? Because he knew the man was exiting and he wanted someone who would honor, now listen, someone who would honor the man enough to steward the message. Because there's a lot of people who will preach the message, but God, after the angel uh, ministered to me in that, in that hotel room, I sat down and then God spoke to me. And he said, it matters how you treat a man of God at the end of his life. Because we on purpose had him here. And I know this, I would tell our congregation, you may sit here for four hours, five hours through a sermon, but if he says one phrase, it will, that man will drop by the Holy Ghost revelation that will change your life if you will pay attention. Amen. Amen. And so I was so grateful that he came and that the Holy Ghost directed us to position us so that we could, if I could say this, qualify to steward the message. And then God said this to me after he said, it matters how you treat a man of God at the end of his life. And then he said to me, he said, many will treat a man right when he's at the peak of his life. But they dismiss him when he's no longer at the peak. And he said, if Elisha would have done that to Elijah, he would have never ended up with a double portion anointing. He said, it's not enough to honor a man when he's at the peak. He said, it matters how you treat him at the end. At the end. At the end, do we have scripture? Elijah said to Elijah, if you see me when I go. Yeah. 
If you see me when I go. He didn't say if you stay with me through my course of ministry. If you see me when I go. Why? Because people, humanity, natural man is very forgetful of those who are not at the peak of their life anymore. And it's only honor that will hold you mindful of someone who's not at the peak of their life. And if you don't honor them enough, at the end of their life, you won't be honorable enough for the message they brought. And that's what God said to me in that hotel room after that angel imparted that. Amen. It matters. It matters. A man of God is a man of God for his whole life. I'm talking about those who walk with God. They are God's man the whole of their life. They're not just God's man whenever others acknowledge their ministry. When will we learn it? Amen. So God doesn't want messages lost. He doesn't want light lost. In 2006, it was April 2006, my husband and I were in Zambia, Africa, and Lusaka, Zambia, and um, they had, Stephen and Ed had gone out on a safari hunt, and I was in the hotel room, and God spoke to me and said, the light that Brother Hagen brought regarding speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is almost gone. He said, pick that up. That was, what, two and a half years mm -hmm. after Dad Hagen's home going. See how quickly we lose light? See how quickly we lose light? That's why it's no coincidence that within months after Brother Norval went home to be with the Lord, God started talking to me about this. Why? Because we so quickly lose light. Why? Because people don't remember what they ought. We don't remember always what we ought. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I, I'm reminded of a, a, a minister, a pastor friend of ours, that he said something. He said, years ago, I saw something. He said, I was praying and I saw a vision. He said, I saw angels carrying something through the earth. It was just like some kind of vessel that they were carrying. And he says, I knew in that vessel were the oracles of God. And they were going through the earth looking for someone who would steward the oracles. Find, trying to find someone who would listen. And he said, and the angels would stop for a period of time with somebody. And then when they quit, when they veered from the message, they would pick up those oracles and go with them. And leave them. And go find someone else who would steward the oracles. It's not about stewarding what's popular. It's not about stewarding what gathers people. It's about the message. Amen. If we stay with the message, we, we move into a utterance of heaven. Amen. And I believe that no doubt that angel was, and I don't just mean to say me, I don't know who else God may have spoken to about the message that Brother Norval Hayes brought. But Brother Norval Hayes taught faith, he taught healing, but he taught it from the place of worship. He taught the, as, as a life of worship how to get your faith 
on the move and how to receive and minister healing from that place of worship. And so this is what God said to me that he did not want the light of that law. So aren't we glad? Aren't we glad we're here? Amen. Hallelujah. Now we have to know this. Heaven is a place of worship. Anytime that we have a count of someone who had the experience of going to heaven, they always come back and talk about how people were saying, praise the Lord and worshiping everywhere. That's such a common thread that you hear in people's accounts of heaven. Not only that, of course, you can read scripture and know. I mean, when the, when the angels came to announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds, what are they doing? They're worshiping God in that field, right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and they hosts of angels that appeared yeah. in the heavens. So heaven is a place of worship, and it also has an atmosphere of worship. To have a heavenly atmosphere of life, do what heaven does. To have a heavenly atmosphere around your life. Do what heaven does. Amen. Amen. And what does heaven do? It worships. It worships and praises and gives thanks. Amen. I firmly believe worship is a flow of this this last day revival. Amen. And Pastor Noel Ramos, this is the last time I'm acknowledging this of him. He made this statement, our worship draws heaven. Why? Because why, why would he make a statement like that? Because heaven recognizes when earth is doing the same thing. So it would draw the flow of heaven. Amen. And we know this, there are angels that their total, their total job description is to do nothing but worship. But don't be mistaken. Their worship is not the same as ours. Don't be mistaken. They do not worship as the redeemed. The angels' worship can never substitute for the worship that comes from the redeemed. Amen. But they are looking for those who are worshiping so they can join in with us. You know, angels, that's what they do. One of the things they do, they worship in heaven. So when they come here, they, they want to enter in the same flow they've been accustomed to. Amen. And when we worship, then they found a flow that they can participate in. If we complain, they found a flow that they had to be silent at. They're, they can't participate in everything. They can only participate in that which is acknowledged by heaven. Amen. So I want to go, if I could, and let me read to you. If I go to Brother Norville's statements, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily trying to preach his sermons, but the message. So in going through his book, one of them, It's called worship. I don't know if we have it out there in the bookstore. Do we have it? So if you don't have it, I would highly recommend getting it. Because I went through and said, what did God say to him? Not just what sermon did he preach. What did God say? 
And the book is around this one statement or this phrase that God said to him. And this is what God spoke to Brother Norval and said, my children basically love me. But they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. Now notice that's what basic love does. Basic, entry level. <laughs> People who just get saved and never go beyond that. Basically, they basically love him. And that's what God said. My children basically love me, but they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because. Now see, this is what God is announcing. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. Notice he didn't say they don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me. He's not saying we don't worship. He said they don't worship me enough. Ah, so a measurement matters. Now, why would he say they don't worship me enough? The important thing of this is to remember something Dad Hagen even would say to us often. He said, praise brings the anointing. And the anointing destroys the yoke. So we could, I think I, I wouldn't do it in injustice by reading it this way. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me long enough for the anointing to come and break the yoke. Did you understand that? They don't worship me long enough for the anointing to come and to break the yoke. Then he said this, you're teaching faith and confession. So see, he's doing that right. You're teaching faith and confession. You're praying for the sick. So he's doing that right. But you need, you need to worship me more. So notice this, faith Confession and praying for the sick are no substitute for worship. Right. That's good. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Yeah. They have their place. Right. Yeah. They all have their place. Yeah. You're teaching faith and confession. You're praying for the sick, but you need to worship me more and you need to teach my people to worship me more. Notice people have to be taught to worship more. If they don't, they'll worry more. They'll fear more. They have to be taught what to do more of. If they're not taught what to do more of, they'll do more of the wrong thing. We know that. Why? Because we've done it. <laughs> we've all done more of the wrong thing. But you need to teach my people to worship me more. This is the message. As pastors, teach worship and wor that they worship more. As parents, teach your children. I'm their God and they're my children. If you'll teach my children to worship me more, look, listen to this next phrase, I'll do great and mighty things for them. There's a reward for bringing his anointing on the scene. People are just waiting for God to send it and he's waiting for them to set an atmosphere that it can flow in. Worship sets the atmosphere so that his help 
His anointing, His ability, His power, His glory can come into manifestation. Amen. Don't we know this over in Psalms when it says God inhabits the praises of his people. You say, well, that's Old Testament. It is Old Testament. And it's better under the New Testament. We have a better covenant. If he will live in the praises, he lives in us. But he also still lives in the praises. You lay praises on your need and God will get in that need. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know this at times when I've faced different tests. Every single exit out of every season of test I went through was this, worship. Number one. And you've, if you've read my answer it book, you know it. Some of you probably need to read it again. The first thing you do is when the devil says something, you answer it. You talk to it. The first time you feel something, talk to it. When your emotions try to get out of place, talk to them. When your flesh tries to get out of place, talk to it. When perversion tries to rise up, talk to it. Amen. Yes. That's what, that's really the totality of Mark eleven twenty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, shall believe those things he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He's saying this, things will obey you, talk to them. Yes. Things will obey you, talk to them. Yes. Things will obey you, talk to them. Yes. People are waiting for God to do something and God's waiting for people to talk to them. Yes. Yes. Exit out of any test is number one, talk to it. Yes. Talk to it. Not talk about it. Talk to it. Talk to it. Step number two, tell the devil that brought the test to get out. You're not going to stay around my life and repeat this day after day. I'm not, I'm, I'm not your victim. You can answer a test, but if you don't tell them to leave, Jesus always said, you know what Jesus said to devils? Shut up and get out. That's it. Shut up and get out. You don't just tell him to shut up so he can stay around and talk and get him out too. Shut up and get out. Shut up and get out. That's called answering it and then telling the devil to go. So the first step of getting out of any test or overcoming any test, trial, any challenge that comes is number one answer. Talk to it. It didn't say call pastor. It said talk to it. Number two, tell the devil to leave, get out. Take your business and go. That's not my business. That's your business. Take it and go. Number three is worship. It's worship. Number one takes about five, ten seconds. Number two, five, ten seconds. The rest of the time is worship. The bulk of your victory is wrapped up in your worship. It's wrapped up in your worship. And if you're going to quit worshiping, you're going to quit winning. Worship keeps the atmosphere set for God's movement. That's why you don't just worship. 
if you tell the devil to leave, you've got to change the atmosphere around you so that you're not tormented and harassed when he sees the atmosphere. Remember what it says about when an unclean spirit is cast out, he goes to the dry places seeking rest, can't find it. He says, I'll go back to my house. He goes back, finds it empty, swept and garnished. Why? Oh, the atmosphere is set for him. It's empty. It's empty. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. You fill it up with worship. Why? Because praise brings the anointing. And the anointing keeps the, is the barricade against the devil getting back in. He'll not only run him out, he'll be a barricade not letting it back in. But if you only worship for like 20 minutes, two days, not enough. I mean, there were days and weeks just worshiping God and worship God and worship God. Amen. What, what, what was I doing? I was filling up the atmosphere around me and it became a barricade against any returning threat. We are not the devil's victim. He can't do something to us anytime he wants. The only time he can get in is when we haven't done right around us. Worshiping God changes the atmosphere around us so that his entrance is, the devil's entrance is barred. It's not about us just fighting a test and going from one test and fighting the next test and fighting the next test. There's going to be challenges, but if we stay in, the, in creating an atmosphere around our lives, when those tests come, they have to leave. They can't get in. Jesus was tested every day of his life, but they didn't get in. Amen. The bulk of the time is not in talking to the devil. The bulk of the time is not in talking to the symptoms. The bulk of the time is getting your attention on the right thing that happens through worship. You say, I thought this was a prayer conference. Prayer, the prayer of praise and worship. <clears throat> Dad Hagen thankfully gave us nine different types of prayer. He helped us locate those scripturally. One of them is the prayer of praise and worship. That kind of prayer trumps every other kind. Why is it? Because the other eight will not even work without the prayer of praise and worship attached to them. You understand that? You can't pray the prayer of faith and not worship or not praise. It won't work. The prayer of praise and worship works every time. And it makes the others work. If I could say it this way, uh, the prayer of praise and worship is to be the bookend to every prayer you pray. It's to start your prayer and it's to end it. It must bookend every other kind of prayer that we offer. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, let's see. Go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus is speaking. We're 
quite familiar with this passage of the woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 23, and he says this, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, ah, true worshipers, evidently there's false ones. What's false worship? Worship that doesn't hit the target. <laughs> Did anybody ever grow up in a church and at the top of the bulletin it said hour of worship? Ain't none of us worshiping. We didn't know what hour of worship meant. That's called false worship. Or one form of it. Uh, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Then he tells us the components or the ingredients that true worshipers operate in. They worship in spirit and in truth. If your spirit isn't involved, it's not true worship. If your mind is involved, no, 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 that's not true worship yet. Your spirit has to at some point get engaged. How do you engage your spirit? What does it mean to have your spirit engaged? Can I say this? You mean it. Just real simply, you mean it. <laughs> if you tell someone you love them, did you say it from your heart or not? Well, if you man it. There are some who say it because they're trying to work something. They're trying to manipulate or control. Well, they're, they're not genuine. They're not sincere. But when someone sincerely says, I love you, they mean it. That's called from your heart. So he said they have to worship in spirit, not mental, not any. I'm so glad he didn't say emotions and truth. Because some people think because their emotions got going that they really made headway. No, but it's the spirit and truth. Uh, for Look at this. For the Father seeketh such. What's he seeking? He's seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. That's the such. They worship in spirit and in truth. We've got to make sure that when we come to church, and let's just talk about the, the, the praise and worship portion, that we don't just lift our hands because we're practiced and we leave our hearts occupied with our worries or something that's bothering us. That's not true worship. We can, if we're not careful, we're good at the stance of worship. We know how to look like we're worshiping, appear to be worshiping, but our hearts are somewhere else. And we, it takes a discipline to pay attention. What's your heart doing right now? What's your heart doing? What's your attention doing? Right? To worship in spirit and in truth. How many of you know the word is truth? The word is truth. The more word you get in you, take the word to worship. Take the word with you. Worship him with his word. Right? And the more word you get in you, the broader your foundation of worship will be. The broader your expression of worship will be. The more word you, you have in you. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, ah, uh, must, must, not optional, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, why is the Father seeking somebody? Why is he seeking? 
people who are believing his word, worshiping him with his word, with their hearts engaged. That's what he's looking for. He's seeking for that. Why? Because if you find someone who's worshiping him based on his word from their heart, now he's got an entrance into the earth. Now he can manifest because that's faith. That's faith. Anytime you worship, that's faith. Why? Because we're worshiping someone we don't see. And faith is for the unseen. Faith is dealing with the unseen. When we're worshiping a father we don't see, we step into faith. We're in the flow of faith. The, the quickest way to get your tongue hooked up to the faith that's in your heart is start worshiping. Start worshiping. Amen. In your home, in your car, at the place of business. So not only, it's an expression of worship. It's worship, you have to have your faith involved. Not only this, can I say this? I think one of the greatest benefits, worship gets your faith going. It gets it moving. The most dangerous thing for a Christian is to have a, a faith with no momentum. Faith that's not making movement. If you're not careful, it ends up like de- it ends up as dead faith. It's still there, but it's dead. It's not moving. There's no movement. Worship gets your faith moving. That's why you want to take time to worship God before you start making requests of God. Dad Hagen used to make this statement. He said, "Before I make requests of God, I get in the spirit." How, what, one of the best ways to get in the spirit and the quickest ways is worship God. Amen. So we want our faith going. When God, why is God seeking somebody who's worshiping him in spirit and truth? Because they got faith and he knows I can do something with them. I can do something through them. I can use them. Amen. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, Psalms chapter 111. Go there with me. Psalms chapter 111. And we're going to start in verse 1. Psalms 111. And verse 1 says this. Praise ye the Lord. I will. Ah, an action of your will. It it doesn't say I feel like. I will. I will praise the Lord with what? My whole heart. Ah, notice this. He's not not inviting half-heartedness. He's inviting wholeheartedness to this flow. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Notice this, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. It's inappropriate for us to call ourselves in the assembly and we're not doing what we're assembled to do. We're assembled to bring our whole heart. We can't worship God with our whole heart if our attention is on the wrong thing. Yeah. 
That means we're going to have to forget about what's trying to trouble us to do this. Amen. And can I tell you, worshiping God is not only your total vacation from, but it's your escape from all difficulties in life. It's your vacation place that you are invited to live at the, at the vacation spot. It's not just a visiting, a, a spot you visit. It's, it's a place you're not, you can not only visit, but live there. Amen. And if you will come and get around the congregation, and if you're having trouble getting your attention off the wrong thing, come and get in the flow of united worship. And it will carry you into a higher flow if you but you're gonna have bring your heart you're gonna have bring your heart don't amen hallelujah so worshiping in spirit doesn't just involve us it, it involves us turning away from our minds and focus our attention on our spirits and get i remember doc horton was telling us he was somebody who was dad dad hagan's close friend and traveled with him and he told us about one time he was in a meeting with Dad Hagen, and they did a morning meeting, and the building was full with, you know, very uh, many pastors and ministers that were there. And at the end of the service, Dad Hagen dismissed it, and Dad Hagen sat down on a chair on the platform, and he came up and said, Dad, isn't it just so great to see all the, the ministers that have come? They're just so hungry. And Dad Hagen said, they're not, they don't want to be here. He said, they're sitting there looking at their watch. They're passing notes. They're planning their next lunchtime. That's why I went ahead and dismissed early. Listen, how many times have we been dismissed from our help because we didn't bring our heart? I don't want that for us. Anytime. Anytime. Amen. So, uh... I want, I, want you to, I, I want you to listen to something in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. And if you want, just listen to me. Remember when Paul said, I will pray in an unknown tongue. For, excuse me, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. What's he telling you? When you just pray in the spirit or worship in the spirit in other tongues, your mind is unfruitful, meaning your mind got bypassed in this process, which is one way God makes us effective. <laughs> he bypasses, he, he involves us without involving our minds, which is just brilliant on his part. But, when we get in the spirit and we worship in tongues, we worship in the spirit or we pray in tongues, pray in the spirit, sing or sing in the spirit or sing in tongues, our mind gets bypassed. Mm -hmm. When you're going through a, a test, you don't need your mind bypassed. Right. You need it helped. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, my mind is unfruitful. Therefore, I will pray with the spirit, but I'll also pray with the understanding. Yeah. Why? Because I need my mind yeah. helped. Yeah. I will sing with the spirit, but I will also sing with the spirit. I mean, with my understanding, because my mind needs to not be bypassed. When I've gone through tests, 
I would spend hours and hours praying in tongues and tormented half mo most of the time because my mind was being bypassed and the devil was still on challenging my mind. The, the victory came when I got my mind involved. And I worshiped God in English. When you're faced with a test, your mind needs help. It doesn't need to be bypassed. So when you're going through a test and something's weighing heavy on your mind, in your understanding, worship God. Don't just do it in tongues. And if we're not careful, we just spend, we just go to worshiping God in the spirit because we're lazy. We don't want to put forth the mental effort. It's just either my shakariya, da ba shakariya, da ba shakariya. And then we're still thumbing through and doing all our other natural stuff. That's a bad habit. That's, that's not why we're given this divine ability of speaking in other tongues. So that we can be lazy. You need, we all need to not just, yes, it's, we should worship in the spirit because I mean with other tongues, because our, our spirit needs to have articulation, but we need to make sure that if our mind is being harassed, we better get help for our mind. <laughs> and that's in worshiping, using our understanding too. You go, to worship God in truth. Jesus said, worship him in spirit, but worship him in truth. Take the word to worship with you. Worship him over his word. Father, you said this. I worship you for that. That's true. But can I tell you what else is truth that you're to worship him with? The times he moved in your past. That's truth. Anytime God manifested himself in your life, that was truth. Why? Because he doesn't manifest a lie. It's all truth. That he, when he moves, it's truth. The time that you needed just $10 and $10 came to you that you didn't earn, that was truth. Worship him with that truth. Say, Father, I remember when you did this for me. That's called worshiping him in truth. The truth of the miracles, the truth of the movements, the truth of the divine answers that showed up. Worship him with that truth. About six months before Ed went home to be with the Lord, God spoke to him and said, if you would talk more about those angels that helped you get that building and paid it off, the angels would do more of it. So I talk about it because I want their help. So what was God doing? He was showing a principle. What you recall gets repeated. If you will remember past movements, there will be multiple movements like that. Amen. But if you don't even choose to take the effort to remember, then you're dismissed. You're dismissed from that happening again. What we remember and worship him with, he will repeat it. I remember, this is kind of comical though. I remember one time, Ed was, uh, I don't know, we were going to some meeting or something. He had on a suit and he put on his sunglasses. And I thought, oh, you look good in those sunglasses. Oh, yeah, I like that. So you know what he did when I told him how much I liked it? <laughs> While I was preaching, when, <laughs> he, he pulled up the sunglasses and put them on. Why, he did more of what I appreciated. <laughs> 
John there preaching and he's sitting back there with his sunglasses on. <laughs> what you notice, God repeats. What you notice, God repeats. And if you don't care to notice it, he won't care to repeat it. Why? Because you didn't notice it. When God says something to me, I write it down. Why? Because I want him to keep talking. If I don't even acknowledge and don't even note it, I'll remember it. No, you won't. No, you won't. Everything God says to me, I write it down. I have volumes of things. Why? Because I want God to know when you talk, it matters. It matters to me. Amen. So, uh, when, it ta- when he says worship him in truth, worship him with the truth of what he's done for you in the past. I love telling this one account because I go back all the way to when I was little. And I recall, every, I, who said it has to be uh, just something that was recent? I think the more you, the further you go back, the God, that God appreciates that you even remembered. You know, when, when we went, when my husband went home to be with the Lord, we were in great financial need here in the ministry. And many of you know the testimony and, and a minister sent overnighted a check for a hundred thousand dollars. And that was the turnaround. Do you know, I didn't just thank him then. Every little bit, I, I contact him. I send him gifts and I say, I want you to know I still remember. I want you to know that. And I still appreciate it. I don't just appreciate it because it was recent. If you only appreciate the recent, there's a lot of, ungra- there's a lot of uh, ungrateful forgetfulness. Show God that it doesn't have to just be recent for you to worship him for it. Remember when they went through the Red Sea and God delivered them from the Egyptians that pursued them? You know what the next chapter was about that? Miriam led the people in worshiping God for they went through every account of how God delivered them. That's what worship looks like. You recall and rehearse what God did. Amen. One of, one of the most endearing for me, and I talk about it, when I was um, about 10 years old, I started taking piano lessons. And we had an old upright piano in the house. And, you know, with six people in the house, and the house was about as big as a Cracker Jack box. It was small. You imagine that piano got beat on, you know, and, and it, 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 it was in pretty bad condition. And... Uh, but it was all, all my family could afford at that time. And uh, so, uh, I mean, you know, like there were ivories missing off the keys. The pedals were broken. Many of the keys didn't play. I mean, it was, it was, it was a faith piano <laughs> because there, were a lot, there was a lot of invisible sound. <laughs> and my piano teacher, she was quite a, she was quite a little spitfire. She was about 80 something, but really I thought she's like 120. You know, when, you, when someone is 10, everybody over 30 is ancient. <laughs> really, when you're little, you think you're young, go talk to a kid and <laughs> ask him how old you look. <laughs> And so she was a little spitfire. I mean, she was like, a, you know, no finesse left. 
you know, just to the bone. She'd just cut you. And so she came over to the house one day and she saw that piano. And she said to my mother, is this what Nancy's practicing on? She said, uh-huh. She said, get her a new piano. <laughs> All right. Get right on that, you know. We didn't have the money for that. It was about two or three days later. And you understand, we didn't know how to use our faith to believe God for something. But it was about two or three days later, my uncle, who um, he's now, he's about in his mid-80s or something, and he still takes piano lessons. He's a great pianist. And he had just bought himself another grand piano. And he said, he called my mother and said, Carolyn, I just bought another piano. And he said, I wanted to know if you wanted my old piano. And she said, I would love to have it. Like this is two or three days after Mrs. Parrish told her. And when Miss Parrish told you, you were told. You know those people. And I mean, like, she's everything. <laughs> and so my uncle said, the only thing is you have to pay to get it to you. He lived in Washington, D.C. We lived in Oklahoma. There was no way that they could afford to ship something like that. My mother goes to work the next day. She worked in the bookkeeping department of the bank. And so she was just telling some of the ladies that her brother had offered this piano, how Mrs. Parrish had told her, you get Nancy another piano. And then all of a sudden, this offer for this piano comes, and then she, but she's got no way to get it there. And the bank president was back in the bookkeeping department and overheard her, and he said, Carolyn, we just bought new equipment for the bank and said they're bringing it down on a truck today from Washington, D.C. We'll pick it up. We'll go by and pick up the piano. Now, see, this had nothing to do with our faith. It was just the goodness of God. Why? Because it was attached to something I was born for. It wasn't just for a hobby. It was part of his plan that piano played a role. I'm playing, I'm playing the organ in our church, all this. And then, of course, for 20 years, for those of you who don't, you who don't know, I led music, just, just letting you know. Because, I mean, within three years, people go, we don't know that. And I go, really? 20 years? And you didn't know it. But what I'm saying is this was attached to his plan. And God did that out of his mercy and his goodness. When I worship him, when I need a building, I remind him of a piano. I remember, Father, how when I didn't know what I needed to know, but your ability still works. See, that's what I'm talking about. When you need something, go back to the very beginnings, the, the very personal, the intimate times when nobody else saw the struggle and nobody else knew the little things that were huge to you. And worship him with those. Amen. This stuff just thrills me. Yeah. Psalm 34, go with me. Psalm 34. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, verse 1. It reads, I will bless the Lord. I will. Again, it's uh, an action of our will. Regardless of whether I feel like it or not, I will. 
I will bless the Lord. I love this next phrase, at all times. At all times. It doesn't just say at easy times. At all times. At all, it doesn't just say when things are in place. Even when things are trying to get out of place. I will bless the Lord at all times. Do you know that God is telling you the answer of what to do at all times? This is his instruction for all times. You understand this? When you hit all times in your life, he's already instructed you what to do. When you hit a, when you hit a time when you feel pain in your body, I will worship the Lord at all times. At, at a time when you don't have enough money to pay your bills, I will worship the Lord at all times. I will praise him at all times. He's telling you your assignment during the all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because if we will bless him when things are trying to get out of place, it will change the outcome of the times. The times will come out differently when we bless him. If we don't bless him, the times will go on as they intended. But we can change the outcome of all times. All times. All times are affected by whether we remember to worship and bless him. Then the next phrase, his praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. So he's given our mouth an assignment. Our mouth has an assignment. His praise shall continually. Now, we know this. You can't. He didn't say 24 hours a day. You're going to sleep part of the time. You're going to eat part of the time. You're going to converse with people part of the time. But it's a continual. It's a flow of our lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. That we will. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, in what we said earlier that when we're worshiping God, we're releasing faith. Why does he say to worship continually or praise continually? Because then we stay in the flow of faith continually. It keeps our faith ready. When you worship God and make that just a flow of your life, praise the Lord, Father, I worship you, your faith will be ready for what shows up. Not only that, it'll be moving. It'll be moving. When a parent is teaching a child how to ride a bicycle, the most risky part of that is when the child is just starting out or just slowing down, right? When they start pedaling that bicycle and it's unsteady and they're going like this, that's the time they're most apt to fall when, they're go- when they're, their movement is not enough. And so they feel like they're going to fall. So the last thing they want to do is speed up. Right? But the parent knows, speed up because your safety is in the movement. The quicker you go, the safer you are. If you slow down, there's where the risk is. That's when you start falling. That's when things start coming apart. When your praise slows down. When your worship and your gratitude slows down. That's when you're at risk. Things will start falling away from your life that should not. Amen. Amen. Worship is respect. Worship is gratitude. Worship is appreciation. 
Go with me if you would. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. And I'm going to read out the Amplified. Hebrews 13 verse 15. Out of the Amplified. It reads, Through him, therefore... Let us constantly and at all times. Do these phrases look familiar? Yeah. That looks like Psalm 34 stuff, right? Yes. Constantly and at all times. Yeah. Offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Then he tells us, he defines sacrifice of praise for us, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Amen. Praise and worship is an expression of gratitude. It's a confession. It's acknowledging what he's done for us. It's acknowledging what we know he will do for us. Amen. And it brings him glory. Acknowledge, confess, and glorify his name. When we were growing up in our kitchen, um, daddy made us a table and it was a long skinny table that ran, it was flat on one end and then it rounded off at the other end. And that's how, because there was never just six of us at the table. We were always bringing family and friends and everybody's mother's motto in life was there's always room for one more. <laughs> and there was always all of us bringing one more, you know? So that table was always full. So uh, when we were at dinner time and mother would cook for us every night and I would say something, mother passed, you know, the, the potatoes. Before she would even extend her hand to the bowl, before she'd even reach to pick it up, she'd say, what's the magic word? Well, it was please. And she called it the magic word. She would not even, she would not even stretch out her arm till you showed proper gratitude. Till you showed proper respect for what you were asking for. She didn't even make a move. And then she would pick up the bowl after you said please. And then she would hand it toward you. And you would reach out your hand to take it and she would not let it go. She'd say, what do you say? You'd say, thank you. And then she let it go. She taught us without respect and gratitude, you don't get any of this. That's good. That's right. Really good. Hebrews 13, uh -huh. 15. Without respect and gratitude, you don't get any of this. Constantly at all times. Amen. I tell you what, worshiping God, praising God, thanking God will make you rich. It'll get you so much. It gets you into the place of a flow where you can't put the cap on it. Amen. Amen. When you get up every day and thank him that he's your provider, you're not going broke that day. Now, if you're going to then go to the dinner table and talk about your money problems, then you didn't worship. You understand? You're not worshiping God one phrase and then talking doubt and unbelief. Worship doesn't live with anything but truth. Amen. To talk doubt and unbelief, we had to, we had to quit worshiping and to say we're worshiping and then flip over doubt and unbelief, we're not worshiping. We might have learned some words. 
We might have heard some words. And then we tried to mimic those. But I'm talking about if your heart, if you were wholehearted, remember wholeheartedness. If we are wholehearted, then that means that there's no room for anything else in our heart. Hallelujah. Through him, therefore, let us constantly in all times, we have a full-time assignment. Offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. We are held in a flow of proper respect, proper gratitude. Amen. And I will tell you this, whenever you hit a very difficult time and you don't know what to do, and it looks complicated. It looks tangled. I mean, our circumstances can look so involved. So we think the answer is as complicated as the problem looks to us, but it's so simple. At all times, at all times, he simplified it, just worship the Lord. This Syrophoenician woman, her situation looked insurmountable. She's got a daughter possessed with a demon. Can you imagine what she's living with in that household? Can you imagine the behavior? Can you imagine the torment? Can you imagine no sleep? Can you imagine that this girl is out of control? How huge and involved this looks. And one thing untangled it. She just worshiped. And it all came... No matter how complicated the problem looks, the answer isn't. The answer is not complicated. It's not involved. It's not hard. It's simple. It's simple. And when you're, it looks like your life is falling apart. Your finances are falling apart. It looks like you're speeding to ruin. And then you just stand up and go, praise the Lord. And the devil will say, that's not enough. Let me tell you, it's enough to bring the anointing. And it's the anointing that destroys that tangled, complicated, overly involved, mentally tormented mess. And the devil will always tell you, saying, praise the Lord, won't fix this. Because he knows. He knows that worship brings the anointing. Now think about the devil's position. Think about him. He has worked sometimes from the time before children are born. He tries to do things in their life to weaken their lives. He tries to break up marriages and everything. Why to weaken children born into that? He works to try to put all kinds of complications and hindrances and blockades and and senses of people not measuring up. So he surrounds them with all this stuff. And he'll work through all their childhood. He'll work through their school years to harass and bind them and get them to where they don't, they're just, they're not even functioning normally as an adult. And he'll work for decades to bind up people. They walk into one service where the anointing is. And I mean, and just one flow of that anointing and so it's broken. What took the devil decades and sometimes generations 
The devil knows what the anointing will do to him. He wants to keep you as far from that anointing. So he tries to hold you in the mental arena. Get him in the mental arena. Get him in the mental arena. And God says, if you'll stay in the faith arena, if my, his praise shall continually be in our mouths. He's telling us how to stay in the faith arena, in the anointing arena, in the glory arena. Because it's just that simple. Your help, your answer, your complicated mess is just that simple. Worshiping God turns everything easy. Amen. Worshiping God turns everything easy. And it makes everything simple. It's the mental arena that complicates. So the devil fights and fights to hold you in the mental arena trying to figure it out when the answer is as simple as standing up in the face of that and say, Father, I worship you. I worship you. I glorify you. I glorify you. But you say, well, I did that. Did you do it long enough? Did you do it long enough? I've had experience when there was for a year and a half, my mind tormented. And God said to me one day, the praise cure. That's all he said to me. So I stand up, praise the Lord. I mean, it was just as dry that praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray. Like it's falling flat. You know what I'm talking about? The reason it was falling flat because I was in my mind. But. I kept saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. After about three days, ah, I'm not out of my mind anymore. This isn't coming out of my mind. This is coming from a alive place. My, my spirit got hooked up to this. My tongue got hooked up to my spirit in this thing. And at the end of seven days of saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, Praise, that's all I said. I quit my Bible reading. I quit my praying in tongues. Are those things right? Absolutely. But my diagnosis and my prescription was praise. If God prescribes something to you, don't you add something else in it. You better give an all out overdose on what he prescribes. Don't just take a little chug. Just get the whole thing. And for seven days, I didn't read my Bible. Reading the Bible is right. But God told me the praise cure. He didn't say that read the Bible. I've been reading the Bible. And it was holding me in my mind because I was doing it from my mind. I got to get out of my mind. Many of you, get out of your mind. <laughs> the devil tries to hold you there because then he can torment you. That's his battleground. And he wants to hold you on his territory. And at the end of seven days, I'm telling you, I was sleeping two and three hours a night. And the rest of the night, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm telling you for seven days solid. At the end of seven days, it was like, Dad Hagen described it this way, and it was exactly like that. I, I felt something chink, like a coin dropping into that vending machine. You heard it click. Ah, and it dropped in me. And when that happened, the word of the Lord came to me. And the word of the Lord said, now tell that demon that's been harassing your mind to go. Yeah. Yes. And I got up. There were people in the 
house. I went, got up and went into the restroom and I said, that evil spirit that's been working against my mind, you desist in your maneuvers in Jesus' name. Boom, it was gone. Why? It was as simple as praise the Lord. See, while I was saying praise the Lord, I heard what to do. I didn't know what to do by figuring it out. I knew what to do by saying praise the Lord. You say, I don't know what to do. That's fine. Praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. It's in that flow of obedience that you hear what you need to know. Hallelujah. Praise brings the anointing. And the anointing destroys the yoke. Don't forget the Syrophoenician mama. She just bowed down and worshipped. And when she did, power went to her need at a whole different location. We don't know how long that daughter's been like that, but within 60 minutes of her worshiping, you understand? It didn't take long. It didn't take long. Dad Hagen used to say this to us. If you'll give an all out effort on the word, it won't take long. Problem is people give a half half hearted effort. He said, if you'll give an all out effort, Toward the word, it won't take long. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Your help is easy. Yes. Your answer is simple. Yes. It's not hard. It's not hard. You say, but I don't know what my answer is. Well, I can tell you this. I know how to get the answer. Yeah. Get in his presence. Yeah. Worship gets, gets you in his presence. Then you'll hear what to do. Amen. Hallelujah. How about we stand to our feet and do that tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His praise shall continually be in our mouths. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just too embarrassed. Anything you're embarrassed about, you can't have. If you're too embarrassed to ask Jesus to receive him as your savior, you can't have it. Amen. You know, if you're embarrassed, it's like you're ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Amen. I'm not ashamed. Hallelujah. That means I don't mind opening my mouth and saying it loud. Hallelujah. Especially in a setting like this. This is not the time to go. That's inappropriate. Amen. At a time when we're together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We praise you. We thank you, Father, for the greatness of your word. We thank you for the greatness of your power. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We worship you. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify your name. We worship you. You're such a wonderful Savior. We worship you, our Savior. You're such a wonderful healer. We worship our healer. You're such a wonderful provider. We worship our provider. You're such a wonderful deliverer. We worship our deliverer. We glorify you. We magnify you. You're such a wonderful helper. 
We so glorify you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We glorify. We honor and we magnify you. We glorify you in this place. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We give you all praise and honor and glory. For our Father is great. For our Father is great. For our Savior is great. For our Helper is great. We so magnify you. We glorify you. We magnify you and glorify you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Let's go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and lead us in something. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you.
that's appropriate is when something's troubling your life, stand right in front of it and make it see you worship. Lay your checkbook in front of you. Amen. Lay your prescriptions in front of you. Amen. And worship right in front of what tries to trouble you. Yeah. Um, I love the testimony that one time when Smith Wigglesworth was called to the bedside of a woman that was really within moments of dying. And they had gathered about, I don't know, six or eight other people. They were circled around her bed and they were praying. And one would pray, oh, God, comfort the family. And another would do something with the children, you know, help them and help them have peace. And Brother Wigglesworth was standing there saying, oh, God, shut them up. Oh, God, shut them up. And when it came time for him to pray, he saw Jesus's face over her bed. And he spoke the word of the Lord to her and basically she rose up healed. And afterwards he said to all the others, he said, you prayed with your eyes on the dying woman. I prayed with my eyes on Jesus. Worship keeps your eyes on the one worth seeing. That's why I said his praise shall continually be in my mouth because it fixes where you're looking. Looking at your problem is not how you get past it. You have to keep your focus on the one who has overcome your problem. Amen. So it's about when you see your checkbook that looks like it's not enough or you see some other circumstance that you let that thing know where you're looking. I'm not looking at you. That's why you need to worship right in front of your problem. Let that problem know you're not it. You're not the center. You're not my help. Amen. And you're not my future. You're not my future. Hallelujah. Aren't you... Did we really, we, we, we so have to remember because when we're going through tests, the devil will cause feelings. He can manufacture feelings to make you think that what he says is true. And it's so easy at those times to notice the feelings and forget where to look. Mm -hmm. Amen. And our answer to those feelings is so simple. Quit looking at them. Quit acknowledging them. Quit talking out of what we feel. Amen. Those that worship him, not worshiping in feelings, not worshiping in emotions, worshiping in our, out of our hearts and in truth. Amen. Hallelujah. The Father, notice what Jesus said. He's seeking such. He's seeking people who... Can I say this? He's seeking people who know how to worship. To know how to worship isn't just to be able to say praise the Lord. It's to be able to say praise the Lord when demons are banging on your head. You know how to not follow what you feel. People don't know how to worship when they only worship as long as things are in place. They don't know how to worship. Real worship knows how what Paul and Silas did. You see this beaten stuff. This wrapped up in 
handcuffs and strap chained to a wall, that kind of stuff. And you know, and they knew what to do. I don't care what you're facing. You've been told tonight. Now we know what to do. Now we know what to do. I don't care what's happening with your children. I don't care what's happening with your body or what looks like it's going on that just seems like it can't change. Now we know what to do. And we true worshipers know how to do that when everything else is trying to get them to do something else. True worshipers don't go to the mind. True worshipers just say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The devil says, what you're going to do? None of your business, not between you and me. Praise the Lord, it's between me and him. I'm talking to him, him. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The devil always trying to get himself in your business. And if he's got your attention, he's in your business. Get your attention off of him. It's that, that's, if those people that were praying for that woman around that bed, if Smith Wigglesworth wouldn't have been there, they'd have buried her. But someone who knew how to worship in the face of what was dying. How do you know how to worship? It's who you're looking at. Hallelujah. Worship just means I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. And, I, and I'm letting people know I'm looking at him. And I'm letting him know I'm looking at him. I'm letting my mind know I'm looking at him. Amen. Hallelujah. His praise shall continually. How about we make sure we're putting this spiritual habit in place in our car? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When we wake up in the middle of the night, praise the Lord. Just turning toward our spirits instead of our minds. I remember God, Spirit of God said to me, oh, sometime back, he said, when are you going to start turning toward your spirit instead of your mind? I go, right now. Right now. Right now. Just because I woke up in the middle of the night and just started thinking about something. It wasn't, but I woke up and he was really waking me up to pray for somebody. But I just went and started thinking about something that naturally was going on. And then he spoke to me and said, when are you going to start turning to your spirit and away from your mind? Right now. And when I did, there was somebody he had me to pray for right there. Amen. That's what worship does. It holds us looking at him. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm helped tonight. What about you? This is part of the message that we're not to make sure we're make sure we don't lose the light of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's again worship him. Father, we thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this place tonight so we can hear the things maybe we've already known, but we're reminded that seed that we've known it's it's watered tonight thank you thank you so much thank you for helping us to know the simplicity of the gospel the simplicity of our help the simplicity of answers father we put in place on purpose a lifestyle of worshiping you we put in place on purpose. And we look to the Holy Spirit to even help remind us that this is the flow we choose for our lives. And everybody said, Amen. you don't want to miss it, Pastor Noel, in the morning. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a blessing tomorrow night again at 7 o'clock all the way through Thursday night, 10 a.m. in the mornings, and then 7 o'clock all the way through Thursday night. So. If I could encourage you to come and come.
Come and spend some time fellowshipping with one another. That's part of the refreshing of these meetings. Amen. Is to getting around people and getting encouraged and be refreshed in the fellowship. Amen. Turn around to somebody before you're dismissed tonight and saying, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.